Yeah. Amen. Ghost Stories Week 9. Listen, if you're a first-time guest with us, we've been in a sermon series that we've called Ghost Stories, and we've been on this journey over the last nine weeks, unpacking, discovering the person, the power, the purpose, uh, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Uh, this is bittersweet uh, because this is the culmination of this sermon series. So, Listen, if it's your first time, we encourage you to go back and watch the series. It's available on demand on YouTube as well as Facebook. And, uh, and so you can join us for, uh, or, or at least give some context to the series of sermons we've been teaching and preaching. Uh, we're going to pray momentarily, and then we're going to dive into the Word together. Pastor Wendy sends her love. She is not with us this morning. Uh, she had to take an emergency flight out to Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, one of our aunts is undergoing emergency uh, brain surgery and a very delicate surgery, and she wanted to be there. And uh, so let's do this. Let's take a moment, pray for mm -hmm. Pastor Wendy. Let's pray for uh, her aunt Sarah Lynn as well. Can we do that? Mm -hmm. And then we'll look to the Word together. Father, we thank you once again that you are a good, good Father. And Father, you always hear us when we pray. Right now we lift up Pastor Wendy as she travels. Watch over her and keep her. Give her traveling mercies. Not only as she flies, but even when she lands and as she serves and ministers to her family. God, we lift up your daughter, Sarah Lynn Harden, to you. We call her by name, and God, we ask you to be the healer. We thank you for the surgeons. We thank you for the medical staff, but beyond what they're able to do in the natural, God, we ask you for supernatural healing power. Your word says, heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. We trust you to do that now. In Jesus' name. And God, we commit the rest of today's worship experience to you. God, speak to us as only you can. Take these lips of clay, animate them, instruct them, and inform them that I might speak as an oracle of God this morning. And anoint our ears and our hearts, not only to hear, but to receive the incorruptible seed of your word. And God, we ask you to make us doers of your word not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For it is in the doing of your word that our lives are transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge some very special guests with us, my beautiful friends from years ago, Tony, oh man, Linda, Curry. So good to see you guys. Bless you. Thank you for coming. Pleasant, pleasant, pleasant surprise. All right, let's dive into the word. As I mentioned earlier, uh, this is Ghost Stories week number nine. We started this sermon series on Pentecost Sunday, and we have continued every week until this week. As I mentioned earlier, this is the exclamation point on this sermon series, and it we've gotten incredible feedback. So many lives have been impacted, and so many people have talked about, have shared how they have a deeper, more meaningful understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Is He is the most misunderstood uh, person of the Godhead. Here at Converge Church, we believe in the Trinity, the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And also over the last few weeks, we've been talking about not only the person of the Holy Spirit, we've also been talking about the purpose and the person of the Holy Spirit, how he functions and op operates in the lives of believers today. Let me qualify everything I'm about to say 
by saying here at Converge Church, we are continuationists in our theology, not cessationists. He said, Pastor Ray, what does that mean? It simply means we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture did not cease when the last apostle died, which is what a lot of uh, 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 denominations and seminaries believe and teach. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the charismatic power of the Holy Spirit belongs to the believer today. Hallelujah. So let me say that again. We are continuationists. We believe that what God started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 continues today and is available for every believer. And it is to our advantage that we access and leverage the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. Now, the difficulty that I've had today with today's sermon is editing today's sermon so I can get you guys out of here in time to beat the Baptists to Lubies. Come on, somebody. Y'all know them Baptists, man. They line up at Lubies. Crack a barrel. And that's a difficulty that I have. But, but I will do my best. I will do my best. I will do my best to get through what I believe is essential for us to understand and know today. One of the lessons I learned in Bible college is don't give them everything you know, give them what you have. Meaning, give them what you have for this moment and what God desires to say in this moment. So you're going to get the edited Cliff Notes version of all the stuff that I wish I could say this morning. And let me just say this. We're going to revisit this sermon series and our focus in that second iteration of this sermon series will really focus on the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've talked more about the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit as it relates to character development. Uh, the next time we visit this series, we'll talk more about the power of the Holy Spirit and how we can activate his power in our lives. Amen? Uh, so here we go. Um, here we go. Uh, our anchor text, our anchor text this morning is lifted from Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. In fact, if I were to choose a title for uh, this, this morning's sermon, it would simply be this, Power. Uh, somebody said, power! Ooh, come on, somebody. I got my sopranos right over there. Come on, somebody. Yeah, 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 power, power. Uh, uh, we're going to talk briefly about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be by any means exhaustive, but as we close out this series, I just wanted us to examine what the Scripture says about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the power of the Holy Spirit manifests and works in and through our lives. Here's our anchor text. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse number 8. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words in red. And I don't know about you, but whenever I read scripture and I see the words in red, I pay attention. I hang out and spend time thinking about, meditating on the words in red because these are, in fact, the words of Jesus. So this is Jesus. He's about to give his, his disciples the Great Commission but he gives them this great commission with a caveat. In fact, he says to them, go preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And then he says, but don't do it until. All right. He says, don't do it until you receive power from on high. 
He says, you've walked with me three years. You've seen my example. I have modeled what it looks like to live this life victoriously. But don't go out prematurely and try to do anything in your own strength. And I think that's where we get it wrong. I think that's where sometimes we miss it. We think that God has created us to live this life in our own strength, our own ability, our own acumen, our own uh, 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 achievement, our own ability, our own power. When he says, I will give you power from on high, supernatural power that will allow you not just to live this life, but to live it victoriously. How many of you realize that God created you and created me so that we could live this life, not just to endure it, but to enjoy it? That your life should look more like the love boat than the Titanic. Come on, somebody. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified says that you might have life as God has it, life until it overflows. That is the promise of the life that you and I can have in Christ. And an important component of this abundant life that Jesus promised in John chapter 10 and verse 10 is the inner working, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So Jesus gives them the great commission, but he says, not yet. He doesn't give them this green light to go out and preach until the day of Pentecost, the day the church was born. So as Jesus comes up to the high place and he gives them the great commission, he tells them that you will receive power. That word translated power is the Greek word dunamis, where we derive the word dynamite. That the work and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is dynamic in its working. It's explosive. It has the power and the potential to break down strongholds and move mountains. The problem is most of us don't flip that switch. So we think that it doesn't exist when the truth is it's just been lying dormant. There are lights... In this room right now that are off simply because we haven't flipped the switch. Are you, are you with me? And there is a power that is resonant in you and in me that we're not benefiting from simply because we haven't flipped the switch. It is power at rest. It is dormant. And that's why we say here at Converge Church, Holy Spirit, activate. Because it is in the activation of the Holy Spirit that we begin to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Now I said, Pastor Ray, why are you taking time to say this? I'm taking time to say this because, first of all, we have to recognize that Holy Spirit is eternal. He was there in the beginning. He's always been there, and he's here right now. In fact, at creation, we see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. The scripture says that the earth was void and without form, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And when God spoke, the Holy Spirit did what God the Father said. Holy Spirit was there at at creation, number one. Number two, we see the Holy Spirit there at the beginning of the church on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his Spirit. But even before that, we see the Holy Spirit present in the life of Jesus. Remember, Jesus was about 30 years old, and he did not begin his earthly ministry 
until the Spirit of God came and rested upon him at his baptism in the Jordan. If the Holy Spirit was essential at creation, if the Holy Spirit was essential for the ministry of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit was necessary for the birth of the church and the fulfillment of the Great Commission, how many of you realize we desperately need his power at work in our lives actively today? Consider Jesus. The Bible says that when the Spirit of God came upon him in Luke chapter 4, he was first of all led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and to be tested. Ooh, that's the part we don't like. We only like Holy Spirit to tell us things that we like. We like the Holy Spirit to tell us things that are easy, comfortable, and convenient. But at the genesis of the ministry of Jesus, the Bible says being full of the Holy Spirit, he was then led by the Holy Spirit into desolate places. How many realize that sometimes you can be under the leadership and the unction of the Holy Spirit and he will bring you into places that are difficult, not easy? How many realize that just because it's hard doesn't mean God's not in it? And how many realize that just because it's easy, it may not be God? Jesus gives us this example when he starts his ministry. That because he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit, he was then led by the Holy Spirit to be tested. And that's why we say here at Converge Church, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. The reason you drive the car, you drive with the confidence that you do, is because someone tested the car. And sometimes Holy Spirit will lead us into places where our faith will be tested so that our faith can be trusted. Are y'all with me? So Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says to them, but you shall receive power, dynamic, explosive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So here's what we need to know. It is important for us to understand that the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, somebody say, that's me, the, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is not one-dimensional or static. The work of the Holy Spirit is, in fact, progressive. You say, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? It's fourfold. Number one, it begins with his conviction. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of our need for our Savior. Meaning, when you felt that tug and that pull on your heart, when God began to open your eyes and say, listen, there's a different way, but not just a different way to live, but a better way to live, that was the Holy Spirit at work in your heart even then. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Therefore I make it known to you that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. At the very beginning of your relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit was at work in your heart in my heart so that we could see Jesus and declare him as Lord. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is not monolithic, it is not one-dimensional, it is not static, it is progressive, and it begins with conviction where he opens our eyes so that we can see how much we desperately need Jesus. Yeah. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives 
in conversion. Not only conviction, but also in our conversion. Where he doesn't only make us aware of our need of him or for him, he helps us cross the line of faith. And something supernatural happens when we make that decision and that choice to become Christ followers. Notice Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. Conversion, where God takes our taste for the former things away and he gives us an appreciation for new things. He takes away our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh so that we will begin to honor him and live for him. That is the second work of the Holy Spirit. Not only conviction, but secondly, conversion. Here's the third thing that we've been spending a lot of time talking about. The third thing the Holy Spirit does in us is he develops Christ-like character in us. Meaning, he equips the believer to live a fruitful and exemplary life that honors Christ. And that's why the last two weeks, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And we said the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it is kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. How do I know that I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit? When I see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in my life, and it looks like all those nine things I just mentioned. But there's a fourth and final work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, and that's where we close out the series. Holy Spirit doesn't only do a work of conviction in our hearts. He doesn't only do a work of conversion in our lives. He doesn't only continually develop character in us. But there is a fourth work of the Holy Spirit, and that is charisma. Somebody say charisma. We get the word charisma from the Greek word charisma. And that Greek word simply means gift, grace, here it is, divine enablement, divine empowerment, divine endowment. And that's why we say here at Converge Church that the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer ought to do for him what the phone booth did for Clark Kent. There is something supernatural that happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts because his power is divine, it is supernatural, and he allows us to do things that we couldn't do in our own strength or in our own ability. Oh, man. How are we going to do this, Pastor Reed? Yeesh. So here it is. There are nine fruit of the Spirit that speak to our Christ-like character, how we relate to God and how we relate to others. Love all the way through self-control. But the work of the Holy Spirit is not just limited to the fruit of the Spirit. His work in us continues where he gives us the gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are also nine. The, 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 the fruit of the Spirit are for character. The gifts of the Spirit are for service. Mm -hmm. Not just to live for him with our character, but to serve him supernaturally. Okay. 
Uh, I'm about to go fast and furious, and hopefully this will make sense to you. So here's Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, he's writing to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth had a peculiar issue. And their issue was that they came behind in no gift of the Spirit. They were very, a very charismatic church where there was a lot of power but no character. They could do a lot of supernatural things, but there was no evidence in their lives. And Paul begins to address those two things. He says, outwardly, there's a lot of cool stuff you got going on, but inwardly, you got a lot of work to do. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he begins to define what those spiritual gifts are. And let me just go through this, and you can read along with me. The text should be on the screen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse number 1. And this is important, and this is the reason we're addressing this this morning, and here's why. Because Paul, in his letter to the Corinthian church, says this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Yeah. Meaning, there's information about this aspect of the Holy Spirit that God wants us to know, understand, and exercise. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. Contrary to popular belief, what you don't know can and will hurt you. Because you cannot live or lead beyond what you've been exposed to. Because you don't know it exists. And you cannot benefit from something you don't know exists and belongs to you. So Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this aspect of your spiritual life. And he says it's in regard to the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, everything that God gives us through the Holy Spirit is for our advantage and for our benefit. Are y'all with me? Mm -hmm. So he continues in verse number two, and he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And here it is. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. We read that verse already, that the first work of the Holy Spirit is the work of conviction. That no one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit draw him. He goes on in verse number four and begins to talk about what has become controversial for most churches, but I think it's, it's as plain as black and white. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But notice verse 7. Notice what Paul writes in verse 7. In verse 1, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. But notice what he says in verse 7. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant because... The manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, is profitable to all. Now, how many of you want something from God that is profitable? 
Unfortunately, some have been taught to believe that the gifts of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit is antiquated, it's obsolete, it no longer exists. Yet Paul says, the Spirit of God is given to each one for the profit of all. It is beneficial in our lives. And notice what he says. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he begins to list the nine gifts of the Spirit. Let me tell you what they are. There are nine gifts, but the nine gifts of the Spirit fall into three categories of how the Spirit of God wants to work through us supernaturally. And let me just say this. There is no place in Scripture or in any text that you will read in 1 Corinthians or anywhere in the New Testament where the work of the Spirit is limited only to a pastor, to an evangelist, or someone who stands in the pulpit. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. The qualification for us to experience the power of God in our lives and to experience the manifestation of the power of God through our lives is to simply believe. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who's that promise for, Pastor Ray? No, it's for them that believe. And Jesus said that we're missing out on the power that's available to us, number one, because we've walked in ignorance and we don't realize that these gifts are given for our profit, for our benefit. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, character. God, by His Spirit, gives us gift, gifts of charisma that divinely enable, I'm telling you, that divinely enable us to win in this life. Okay? <clears throat> uh, let, me, let me unpack this quickly, and then we'll wrap it up. I'm editing this message as I preach. <laughs> so he begins to give us the list. Oh, oh, the three categories. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. There are three revelation gifts that are listed here that I'm about to read. The three revelation gifts are gifts that help you see and know things that you wouldn't otherwise have known. Yeah. Yeah. Supernaturally, God gives you insight into current, future, current and future events, uh, moments in your life personally, moments in other people's lives supernaturally right. for their benefit, even sometimes for their safety. What did that look like in the life of Jesus? When you read the, the story of Jesus in the Gospels, it will say that Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Now remember, Jesus was anointed at Jordan. And before you go there and say, well, Jesus was the son of God. No, no, hold on. He was and he is. But the scripture says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. 
Jesus did what he did because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon his life, and that's why he didn't begin his earthly ministry until the Spirit of God rested upon him at the Jordan. And so when we see Jesus doing supernaturally, he's doing through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which he now says is also available to you and me. It's a young lady in our church. I'm talking about revelation gifts. It's a young lady in our church who was dating a guy. And back then we used to have prayer force. And we used to have people call in. We do our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And during that prayer and fast, while they're on the other end of the line, she's on the other end of the line with her boyfriend. And in the middle of praying, I stopped. This is on a conference call. And I said, there's someone on the line right now. There's someone on the line right now, and this is for you. And on the call, as I'm praying, and the way the Lord speaks to me, he gives me a crystal clear picture. First, he gives me a picture, and then it always is followed with scripture to confirm and to explain what I'm seeing. And this is what the Lord said. This guy, I didn't say any names, but I talked about their relationship and how this guy had not, or this person in this relationship with this young lady, had not revealed something that was critically important to the health of their relationship. And I, I alluded to what it was. I get a call immediately after the prayer call from the young lady that this word of knowledge was for. And she said, as soon as they got off the phone, the guy said, uh, was your pastor talking about us? And the young lady said, I don't know. And he proceeds to tell her. He proceeds to tell her that he had been seeing someone else who was now pregnant. Meanwhile, in another state, Meanwhile, he's talking to this girl who's a part of our church and they're talking about getting engaged. How did I know that? I knew it by the Spirit of God. Because there are revelation gifts. The first one being the word of knowledge where God will give you a revelation about a current situation or circumstance right now and you make it crystal clear. In fact, many of you in this audience, I've called you in the middle of the night, sent you a text in the middle of the night, and it was exactly what you were going through. Am I lying or am I lying? Truth. That's the truth right there. How do I know that? Is that because Pastor Ray is this amazing? No, 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 no. It is because of the active work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. There are three revelation gifts. The first one is the word of knowledge. There were a bunch of men on Father's Day who were lined up across this altar. And every single one of them, as I laid hands upon them, as the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, it was confirmation of something they were going through in their lives that I had absolutely no way of knowing. That's right. Except by the Spirit of God. God wants you to live supernaturally. He wants you to live supernaturally. He gives us his gift for our benefit. Here's the second revelation gift. It's called the word of wisdom. Where God will give you wisdom, supernatural wisdom, for a situation or circumstance. So there's a guy who's a former NFL player. And uh, I meet with him every other week. And I coach him. Life coaching stuff. 
until the last time we met, I was sitting across from him just this past Tuesday. And in the middle of the conversation, I slide over my phone and I say, look at this verse in scripture. It was 1 Corinthians 16.9. And this is what 1 Corinthians 16.9 says. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says, uh, there is a great and effective door of opportunity open to me, but there are many adversaries. And I said, what does that mean to you? And he explained it to me. And right in that moment, I said, your whole life has been like a guy. And the Lord always shows me the picture. He gives me the explanation and he gives me a verse of scripture. And what I saw when I was talking to this guy was a guy, someone holding a football, running through the gauntlet. And this is what I said to him. I said, your whole life has been like practice. And you've got the football, and you see the opening. You're running through the gauntlet, but life is banging you on the left and the right. And, and you're asking yourself, God, why me? That's all I said to him. His teeth, his eyes filled with tears. I'm sitting across from him at Ascension Cafe in the Star, Frisco. He said, wow, Pastor Ray. He said, this is bizarre. I feel like a blanket, like somebody just took a blanket off of me. This 6'5 defensive lineman was bawling in the cafe. I had to go to the waiter and get tissue for him to wipe his face. You know why? Because God gave me a word of wisdom that helped him understand why his whole life he couldn't figure out why he seemed like there was an open door and he was wrestling with this opposition and God gave me a word of wisdom in them, not in the pulpit. There wasn't no praise and worship. We were sitting over there drinking coffee. And that was his breakthrough. Mm. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Here's the third one. Third revelation gift is, woo, I know y'all gonna like this one. The third revelation gift is called the discerning of spirits. Y'all see, y'all like that one, don't you? Yeah, y'all like that one, don't you? Uh, let, me, let me just give you this caveat. The discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. No, some of y'all just suspicious. <laughs> In fact, some of y'all just nosy. That ain't discerning of spirits. Let me give you an example of the spirits. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul had been preaching in Philippi. There was a girl following Paul. And this is what she was saying. These men are men of God. Hear ye them. And the scripture says, after many days, Paul got vexed in his spirit. And he turned and rebuked the spirit by which this girl spoke. Now, hold up. This girl announcing that you are a man of God? What is it about what she said that caused you to discern that something about what she was saying was off? Hmm? It's the discerning of spirits. It is possible for people to say the right thing under the wrong influence. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. I don't have time to go into all of that. I don't have to. My wife knows me. Yeah. My wife knows me. Yes, and when I meet somebody, and I tell them, mm, mm, always. Listen to me. I'm not patting myself on the back. 100% of the time, 
said they didn't even write. And notice, it's not anything about their outward actions. Because their outward actions could seem right. These men are men of God. Listen to what they got to say. Acts chapter 16, go check it out. Uh, there are three revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. There are three power gifts, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. I don't have time to get into that. But there are three utterance gifts, the gift of prophecy, uh, the gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. I don't have time to get into all of that because we're out of time already. But listen to what I'm saying. Uh, when we do this next series, we're going to drill down. We're going to drill down on each of those gifts of the Spirit, how they operate in the life of the believer, why they operate in the life of the believer, and how you and I, not because Pastor Ray is on this platform, but because the Holy Spirit lives in you to begin to live access, accessing supernatural help. Supernatural help. I'm telling you, supernatural help to know things, the ability to say things, the ability to do things. Three revelation gifts, three utterance gifts, and three demonstration gifts or manifestation gifts. We'll talk about these things in the future, but this is where I'm going to end today. Uh, in spite of this, in spite of this, Paul goes down and gives this list in 1 Corinthians 12. And there's a reason that I've spent more time on the character side because of what Paul is about to say next. Are y'all with me? Notice what Paul is about to say next. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, all the way through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. So it goes from chapter 12 to chapter 13. Now remember, when Paul is writing these letters, he's not writing them in chapter and verse. Right? The people who recorded the Bible and compiled the Bible did that for reference. So we'll begin to know where all these verses and all these chapters are. But when Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth, also known as an epistle, a letter, as he's writing this letter, he's just writing a letter. There's no chapters, there's no verses. So what we're seeing that we're about to read is a continuous thought about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So here we go. The reasons we emphasize the character part of the Holy Spirit in this particular series is because of what Paul says next. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Let me stop there for a second. Let me stop there for a second. These are things that you can desire and ask God, Lord, I want you to work through me. I want you to work in me. We can desire to see the manifestation of these gifts in our lives every day. But notice what he says next. He says, desire these things, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like, Paul is saying, that's good, but let me show you better. Yeah. And in charismatic circles, the circles that I grew up, well, I grew up Episcopalian, 
and then was radically filled with the Holy Spirit. But in charismatic circles, what we emphasize more is the gifts of the Spirit and not the character of God. And the truth is, it's possible to allow your character to take you places your character can't keep you. I'll say that again. Most preachers, most pastors, most charismatic pastors in particular allow their gifts, their charisma, the charismatic gifts of the Spirit to take them places where their character can't keep them. And that's why every month or two, there's another scandal about another pastor who was dynamic, who was charismatic, who had thousands of people coming to a church, but his character couldn't sustain where his charisma took him. And that's why Paul says, desire these gifts, but check this out, player, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. A better way. Because character, charisma will promote you, your character will preserve you. All right, listen to what I'm saying. And that's why for the last eight weeks, our emphasis has not been on the gifts of the Spirit, what God can do through you supernaturally. The emphasis has been how you walk it. Can you even walk a straight line with your character, with your integrity? Can you live a life that the scripture says that is above reproach? To have a good reputation with them that are without, meaning the people outside the church. What is your reputation with them? In fact, Paul said that is the qualification for the pastor, for the minister, to have a good reputation. I heard another pastor, and he was yelling at his church. And this is what he said. He said, when, when you do your stuff, you want the pastor to be gracious, right? When we do our stuff, then you're judges, right? When we get married two, three times, you're judges. I, and I heard what he said. I understand the point he was trying to make. He was trying to say that people in the pews want grace when they mess up. People in the pews want grace from the pulpit when they mess up. But people in the pews aren't willing to give pastors grace when they mess up from the platform. I get it. I get it. I get it. But this is what James said. He said, not many of you should be desire, not many of you should desire to be teachers because you will be held to a stricter judgment. Amen. Amen. James chapter 3 and verse 1. And then Paul goes on in 1 Timothy, the qualifications for a pastor. Be above reproach. Have your house in order. If you can't run your own house, how will you run the house of God? I ain't making this up. That is the word of God. A higher standard. So yes, I can function in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, but if I don't have the character to sustain what I'm doing, it's only a matter of time. And that's why Paul says, don't get fixated with the gifts of the Spirit. Let me show you a more excellent way, a better way. And notice what he says, and this is where I'm going to close. Are y'all tracking? Notice what he says. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. He said, you can pray in tongues and prophesy all you want. Though I pray with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. I'm just making a whole lot of noise. Notice, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 
If I can say all this stuff and know all this stuff supernaturally and I can't love people, you just make it a whole lot of noise, man. Verse 2, verse 2. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, notice all the things he's mentioning are in the preceding chapter. He says, even though I manifest and these gifts of the Spirit flow through my life, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. What he's saying is, you can do the right thing with the wrong motivation. Give all your stuff away. Even give your body up to be burned. But if your motivation is not rooted in love, it profits you nothing. So he's showing us a more excellent way. And this is where we're going to close this series. Are you understood me? Yes, sir. He's showing us a more excellent way to live our lives. A more excellent way to bring glory and honor to God. Yes, we are charismatic in our theology. We believe the gifts of the Spirit belong to the church today. We believe the gifts of the Spirit operate in our lives today, but there is a more excellent way, and that is the way of love, and that is the character of God. So here it is. I promise you, I'm going to let you go. Y'all thought 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was that verse you're supposed to read at a wedding. No, it's about more than your wedding about how to live and how to manage the tension between the power of God and the purpose of God. And I'm going to help you see some things if you'll give me a few more minutes as we close. Notice what he says. He says, love suffers long and is kind. Hey! Y'all see that? Love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. The problem is, we've learned to endure, but we haven't learned to be kind while we're going through. Because the longer you suffer, the nastier you get. But the love of God will allow you to go through hard places, hard things, endure, and still be kind. Most people go through life with a chip on their shoulder because they've suffered long. But the love of God doesn't only suffer long. It's kind while it suffers. While it's going through. That's a word for somebody this morning. And that's why you've heard me say it before. It's comic book theology. Every villain starts out a victim. Read the story of the villain. Was a good guy who suffered something painful in their life. And because they didn't deal with their pain, they made life painful for everybody else. And they said, I'm not going to suffer alone. If I'm going to suffer, I'm going to make other people suffer with me. And the Lord says, you've suffered long. But what you've lost is kindness in the process. Your heart has grown hard and calloused. But the love of God suffers long and is kind. The love of God doesn't envy. The love of God doesn't parade itself. The love of God, whoo, y'all ready for this one? 
is not puffed up and it does not behave rudely. <laughs> I want to say something, but I'm going to let, <laughs> I'm going to let it go. The love of God does not seek its own. It is not easily provoked. Whew, look at the next line. Thanks, no evil. Mm -hmm. For those of us who think and believe the worst about people before we even have an opportunity to get to know them. Verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believe all, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Notice verse 8. It says, love never fails. Now notice what it says next. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And that's why most cessationists say, oh yeah, prophecies have been done away with. Notice what Paul said. Prophecies will fail. Uh, whether there are uh, tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And notice what it says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And the argument that cessationists have is, notice what Paul says, all this stuff is going to be done away with. And when that which is perfect has come, all this stuff will be done away with. So they said that which is perfect that has come is the word of God. He said, oh, we have the canon of God's word, so we don't need the gifts of the spirit. And they teach that in seminary. Because we have the word of God, we don't no longer need the gifts of the spirit. And so they teach cessationism. But I've got to say this. Verse 11 helps us. Verses 11 through 13 help us. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I even thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Here's where Paul is helping us. Beyond just our love walk, he's helping us understand the tension between the fruit of the spirit character and the gifts of the spirit charisma. Verse 12. For now I see in a mirror dimly, but then I will see him face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. So what is Paul saying? Prophecies will cease. Tongues will cease when that which is perfect has come. And when that which is perfect has come, I will see him face to face. And when I see him face to face, I will know him just as I am also known. Now, even though we have the word of God, have you seen God face to face? No, that's not a trick question. Have you seen God face to face? Do you know God as clearly as he knows you? That's not a trick question, I, I, honestly. Do you know everything about God the same way God knows everything about you? If that is true, that means that which is perfect has not come. And if that which is perfect has not come, it means that there is a necessity for the gifts of the Spirit to continue to work through and flow through the life of the believer. How do I know that? Notice what he says finally in verse 13. He says, and now faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. When that which is perfect has come, let me tell you what's going to happen. When that which is perfect has come, you will know God as God knows you. 
But faith, here's the second reason we know that that which is perfect hasn't come. What he's saying is faith will no longer be necessary. Why? Because we won't have to believe for what we can already see. Do you still have a need for faith? Yes, you do. And that means that which is perfect hasn't come. Hope. Hope will give way to certainty. You won't have to hope when you're face to face with him because hope will give way to reality and certainty. That's how I know the gifts of the Spirit still belong to the church today because we haven't gotten to the place where we no longer need faith or hope. We're, no longer, we're not at the place yet where uh, we know him just as we are known. We're not at the place yet where we see him and know him face to face. But notice what it says. Third thing, the greatest of these is love. Why is the greatest of these three love? Simply because faith will fade away, hope won't be necessary, but we will always love him just as he loves us. The reason we believe that everything we see in scripture belongs to the church today is because that which is perfect has not come. And when it does, we will no longer have need of prophecy We'll no longer have need of tongues. We'll no longer have need of words of knowledge and words of wisdom. But that time has not come. And until then, until then, you and I need to experience the fullness of the power and the spirit of God. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We come to you in Jesus' name. And as we close out this series, God, my prayer is that while we desire the best gifts, while we desire to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that we will choose the more excellent way. Yes, God, we want to experience and, and flow in and the gifts of the Spirit because you have given them to us for our profit, to benefit from it. But God, let us not choose the gifts of the Spirit at the expense of the fruit of the Spirit. Father, I pray that we will not choose charisma over character. That God, it's possible to have both. To walk in your power and to walk in purity. To walk in power and live a life that honors you. Today, God, as a church, we choose the more excellent way. We trust you to do that now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, and every eye closed. If that's you this morning, he said, Pastor Ray, I heard you talk about the work of the Spirit, how he does a work of conviction. Maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart and you're saying, you know what? I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you slip up that hand? We want to pray for you so that you can respond to the first work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If that's you, slip up that hand. We want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. We got a room full of believers. That's a good thing. If you're here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor Ray, I just want you to pray for me. I want to experience more of God's power in my life. If that's you this morning, we want to pray for you as well. Just slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you. Father, for every hand raised, I pray. That in the days and the weeks to come, that your sons and your daughters will experience your power. The true 
authentic power of Holy Spirit. You said in your word, bad as we are, we know how to give our children good gifts. If our children ask us for bread, we won't give them a stone. If they ask us for fish, we won't give them a serpent. How much more will our Father give us the Holy Spirit if we simply ask him? So today, Lord, with these hands raised, I pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit in power and in strength in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, that we would walk in victory and greater revelation of your power for your glory, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody this morning? Amen, amen. All right, why don't you stand with me? A couple of quick reminders. Remember, uh, Sunday Fun Days starts next Sunday. Uh, we're going to have our back-to-school service. Pastor Wendy will be speaking. She'll be communicating next weekend. But then, uh, on the 14th, we start a brand-new sermon series called God on Film. We've got some amazing sermons uh, and some amazing speakers lined up. It's going to be transformative. Once again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you're a first-time guest with us, I definitely want to connect. Dexter is going to direct you. Dexter, why don't you wave and let everybody know uh, that you'll direct them. Let them know where to go. Why don't you raise your hands as we bless you out. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord shall turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we've got some information that we'd love to send you to help kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, please email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely by visiting www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. Or you can give via text by texting Converge Give along with the dollar amount that you'd like to donate to 77977. Also, you can find all this information on our mobile app. Simply search the app or the Play Store for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.